this is like the most perilous part of covering the Tour de France is that if you don't eat dinner by 7 p.m., you're not eating dinner in France. Is that because the towns are so small? Yeah, and everything will like will just close. It's called everything getting closes. France. If you miss the dinner d- deadline, you either have to you have two options. You go to like an automat that sells pizza, or you go to a gas station, or you go to this place <laughs> called Buffalo Grill, which is an American themed fr- fr- French restaurant, which I find hysterical. Welcome back to the Writing With Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kaplan. I authored the newsletter, Writing With, which can be found at writingwithkaplan.substack.com. The newsletter tells the stories of the Americans writing at the highest levels of professional cycling in Europe, among other things. And today it is stage five, and this is episode five of Writing With. And today I'm really excited because we have one of the, one of the leading journalists, new journalists, who has taken to writing in a very creative, lyrical, elegant way about the sport of cycling. And that is Kate Wagner, who is the author of Derailleur, which is another newsletter on Substack. And Kate has written some great pieces over the years about Primo Roglic, about Tajay Pajikar. And most recently, she gave voice and tribute to Gino Mater, who was a cyclist who was killed at the Tour de Suisse after crashing off the side of a mountain. And I thought, I mean, she just wrote a tremendous piece that that really, really um, honored his life and who he was. And it was, it was, it's deeply moving. I can't recommend it enough. I know it's really sad. Um, obviously, that goes without saying. But Kate did a wonderful job in giving voice to his life. So the goal of the podcast is to help you become a little bit smarter and a little bit more informed about the Tour de France. And to that end, as with Kate, I've interviewed other journalists, authors, historians, cyclists, and mechanics to peel back the curtain on what it's like to be part of the world's greatest bike race. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at riding underscore with underscore J-E-K. You can find the newsletter at writingwithkaplan.substack.com. That's R-I-D-I-N-G-W-I-T-H. K-A-P-L-A-N, writingwithkaplan.substack.com. And please subscribe. I can't do this without your support. I really appreciate it. And I really value and appreciate and respect the time that you've given by being here and reading the newsletter. So thanks so much. And with that, let's get to it. Kate, thanks so much for being here. I want to say, I think your writing is... um, at once versatile and elegant. Um, sometimes I read and think like, oh, why couldn't I do that? Um, <laughs> and I recommend to everyone who's listening uh, to read the piece about Gino Mater. I thought it was really powerful, um, deeply moving, and a great tribute to his life. I, th- I know a lot of people appreciated that. I shared it widely and got a lot of response. Um, I'm sure you did too. I think even the sort of more general piece I wrote about what happened was probably one of my most read posts. Yeah. And it's kind of sad that, you know, it takes like a death to, I'm not, I'm, I'm once like, it's like, you know, those, one of those things that's both shocking, um, but probably not surprising. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I was thinking, uh, well, first of all, thanks for the kind words. Um, but yeah, it was really hard to, to write that because I knew Gino quite well. Um, 
we worked together really extensively and uh, we kept in touch quite a bit after. Uh, we worked together at the 2021 Vuelta where we basically spoke twice a day and then did wow. like really long rest hour, uh, rest day interviews, like hours long. Um, and so- And that's where he really won a stage? Each other. Sorry, that's, that's where he won a stage? That's where he won the white jersey. The white jersey, okay. The best, he was uh, the, he best was fifth, uh, rider, the best the best rider under 25. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um. So I got to know him quite well and yeah, really terrible. Um, what happened? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those things where you kind of want to blame somebody, but there's no one, no one to blame. It's just an accident, which I think is the hardest kind of thing to accept. Right. But uh, just the outpouring of response, I think really shows uh, how much people really love Gino and you know what a good guy he was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you for giving voice to, to his life. Um, so you're in Chicago. Um, the race, the Tour de France starts Saturday. What are your plans for covering it? So actually what's funny is this, this weekend I have to cover NASCAR for road and track. <laughs> you, yeah, I know. Really? That's kind of cool. Um, so I'm actually, so yeah, yeah. Is the race in Joliet? Cool. Where's the race? If the race is in uh, Chicago, it's the street race. So I, I have to do that. Um, but then, yeah, so there'll be some coverage on derailleur for the Tour de France, but then I go with escape collective to France for the third week and for the Tour de France femme. So I'll be covering the tour in person for a week, the final week. And then uh, also I'll cover the Tour de France femme. This will be my third tour. Wow. And so just tell people who might not know what escape collective is. Yeah. So escape collective is this new publication that was founded by Kaylee Fretz and Ian trailer and Johnny long and a bunch of, and Joe Lindsay and a bunch of other really cool and influential journalists who were part of a kind of mass exodus from the layoffs that happened at, uh, outside. And so yeah, there's, it's, a uh, I think a really cool, uh, publication that does a lot of kind of deep dives, uh, profiles, um, daily coverage, experiential stuff. I'm mostly a color writer for them. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's cool and it's all, uh, funded by members, which makes it like quite unique in, in terms of like a big cycling. Yeah. yeah you pay like $99 yeah. a year to join. Um, I can't remember you, you wrote, I read the piece, the, I think, well, the one I remember that sticks out and of course I can't remember what race cause they kind of blur together, but you were with human powered health in the van. Was that for derailed? Yeah, yeah. 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 Which race was that? That was Paris-Roubaix. Okay. Okay. Oh, right. Right. Of course. Of course. Um, and so you get, the, okay. So you'll get to France that last week and, but you know, with the race starting, is there any sort of storylines you're looking at? Yeah, of course. So, um, at derailleur, uh, we're going to be doing, so there's myself, uh, and, uh, my colleague, uh, Caleb Devereaux, who, uh, actually studies Scandinavian studies. So he is really focused on Vingegaard and, you know, X. And of course I study Slovenian. So I'm focused on Bogacar. Um, and of course the really interesting questions will be about like some young guy, Skelmos and, and people like this, uh, can Mark Cavendish do it? <laughs> can he break the Merck's record? I guess. Um, For some reason that story, such... that storyline does not thrill me. I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah, I, I feel it. the same way because I am not that connected with Cavendish as a writer in terms of like, cause he, uh, uh, is just a little bit before my time watching cycling. Um, 
Right, right. And so like, but at the same time, also he's, I think, very tied to like a kind of uh, story of British cycling, which again is not my specialty. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, I think it would be interesting from a historical perspective, whether or not he completes it. But uh, his character is, is whenever I have to write about him, I'd rather someone else do it. It's just that he's not my all-time favorite person in the Peloton. And also, uh, but like, again, the thing about being a journalist is that like, even though you have your favorites, like there are guys I really like to work with. The best to work with was Gino, actually. Mm. He was phenomenal. Um, and there are a few others that are actually really just great to work with. And then there are some where they're really, really challenging and you have to focus on the cycling. Um, Roglic is like this, obviously. Mm. Uh, he's an extremely challenging person to to interview as a journalist. Cavendish is also like this. And so you focus a little bit more in the writing on the deeds and the stories that are written on the bike. Because like there's just, I mean, some guys just have this kind of personality where they're either like maybe a little bit combative or like very private or you just kind of have to have realistic expectations about what you can get out of them personally. And so, yeah, you switch the focus to what happens in the race on the bike, right. the history, that kind of thing. So it's your personal opinion doesn't really <laughs> matter when you write as a journalist, which is like kind of funny because obviously I'm also an architecture critic where it's all my personal right, opinion. Right, right. So, <laughs> well, I think when you say they're combative, I think that's like in the DNA. It's probably, it probably has to be of being a, a yeah, of professional cyclist. Yeah, yeah. Can you give people a sense of the mechanics? Not how to fix a bike, but the mechanics of actually covering the Tour de France, given the distances need to be traveled every night's in a different hotel, um, access. Can you talk about access to the riders and, and how that's been transformed, especially in the post COVID era? Yeah, of course. So let's just start like a little bit with the mechanics. Um, so the Tour de France is essentially kind of like a traveling circus is how I would describe it. The tour is insane first of all, because A, there's like a million people, like right. there's a million fans, there's a million journalists, there's the writers, like everyone is highly stressed because it is the biggest race of the year. It is like the time in which the writers have to really prove themselves. The sponsors are like breathing down the necks of, you know, they have to do well, everyone has to do well. Um, it's the most important race for, yeah, for writers, teams, sponsors, anyone, um, journalists. Uh, and so the coverage is really different for the tour than it is for any other race. Um, but all bike races, all like multi-day bike races, stage races are the same, uh, in terms of like the mechanics of it in that you basically wake up, you go to, first of all, there's a press week, there's press conferences, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not there. A lot of them happen online now anyways. Um, but the, which is actually like slightly convenient for those of us who aren't there, but like for those of us who are there, it feels kind of cheap because you're spending all this time and money to go there. Um, not so yeah, this, we'll get into this with the access bit, yeah. but first, like essentially take a, take any day of the tour. Right. Um, let's say, I mean, of course there's some differences with sprint stage mountains or whatever. Let's just say like a random day. Um, the, you start, you wake up, you eat breakfast and breakfast is always croissants. By the time you're (laughs) at the end of the tour, you want to kill yourself because you've only been eating croissants. That's, I, you never want to look at a croissant for the rest of your life. This is very important color about covering the tour. Um, then you, after your croissant breakfast, you go to the start and sometimes you, you get a hotel close to the start, or sometimes you stay where the finish is and you have to drive to the start. 
uh, depends on the, on the logistics. Um, and then at the start, you do some interviews. The start interviews for those who are not television uh, or a little, or those of us in the written press who work like a little bit differently uh, are quite, because are a little bit different. A lot of people, if they need to do color writing, for example, this, if you're on the cycling podcast, for example, which I've been with before, and you want to get a, like an interview about, you want to get five minutes with a guy about, you know, their self, their life or whatever. If you have the clout to pull that, you can do that. At, that's what you do at the start because the start wow. is much more relaxed than right, the finish. Right. The start, everything is uh, a little bit, you just call a guy will come up. If you, you either schedule with the press officer beforehand, like, Hey, can I talk to so-and-so or like a guy will just like pull up, sign on, do sign on uh, wave to the, all of the people. Hello, hello, hello. And then he's right. going by and you're like, Hey, Hey, you, 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 you. And then right. hopefully he stops. And usually at the start they will stop because you know, they have nothing really else to do before they line up. So they're a little bit more right. chill. Right. Then you do your interview um, when I interview writers at the start, I, uh, either try to get to know new writers or I'll talk to, uh, domestiques and ask like what strategically what's going on. Right. Or the if there's like, if I'm writing a profile, for example, like if I was profiling a writer throughout the entire tour, um, then you would, uh, like ask, you know, specific questions every day, uh, until the end. Um, of course you can't do this. Okay. There's some exceptions. When you're written press and you're not television or radio, uh, you are not going to get Tadej Pogacar, Jonas Vingegaard, like any of those right. guys. You're not, if these are the biggest guys, you are not going to get them like in, in the press pen at all. Right, right. Um, this is just how it is now uh, because the priority for the sponsors and the priority for the race organizers is television. Right. So the television reporters will get to talk to those guys. The thing is, is that like whoever is in the yellow jersey, however, for example, they give a press conference every single day they wear the yellow jersey. So there is actually plenty of time to ask whatever questions you need to ask. The The press conferences are extremely important. Hmm. Um, so anyways, you ask your questions and you drive a lot. You maybe get <laughs> something to eat or you go to the press buffet in the press room. There's a press room with a bunch of TVs and stuff and you watch the race. And they sometimes have food and sometimes they don't have food, which is devastating. Then you go to the finish around like, I don't know, 20 kilometers, 50 kilometers or whatever, depending on how far the press room is to go. Then you wait and then you try and run as fast as possible to guys who have stopped. Uh, it's getting it, it used to be that you would, again, talk to the press officer and they would bring the writers to you because this was the COVID protocols. But now it's like this weird mix of both like you have to kind of find a guy in the scrum which is like when all the journalists get together and descend on them they'll take like the stage winner and the yellow jersey and they'll um you know kind of get them like to the press conference yeah or they'll yeah. do tv and then press conference uh and then yeah you try and get you know how was the day when i when i interview writers at the finish the finish is my least favorite part because it's insane I try to get someone who no one is talking to. Like if right, someone in the right. team has won, I try to get some guy who is just like a fifth rate, like not a fifth rate, but like a, like third in the lead out chain, for example, right. on a sprint stage, or you have your guys who you want to talk to, who like, you know, will give you like a good insight into what's going on. Um, but like, I try not to talk to the most important guys. 
uh, I try to get to ones who will give you the most information Smart, because yeah. the leaders, they don't want to give you anything. Right. Right. Like they right. don't want to give away the strategy. They don't want to give away the emotions. Like it's a very strategic game, but the domestiques, they don't, they'll have plenty to say because they were the ones who were doing the job. The for work. Most of the day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Why um, not me? Why aren't you talking to me? After the, after the exit interviews is the press conference. And then. Right. Then you eat dinner and you like, this is like the most perilous part of covering the Tour de France is that if you don't eat dinner by 7 p.m., you're not eating dinner in France. Is that because the towns are so small? Yeah. And everything will like, will just close. It's called getting franced. Getting franced, right. If you miss, if you miss the dinner deadline, you either have to, you have two options. You go to like an automat that sells pizza or you go to a gas station (laughs) Or you go to this place called Buffalo Grill, which is an American-themed French restaurant, which I find hysterical. Hmm. Um, So I'll have to try that. Then you write, then you drink, and then you go to bed. That's it. (laughs) And what time is that around? Oh, for me, like usually, it depends on how long the piece is. the The journalists who have to cover like the bread and butter of cycling, like they usually stay in the press room. They don't go out to the finish. Like the ones who write like for cycling news or whatever, and they just need to get the stage result out. The like results, they, they yeah. will sit in the press room and write, um, and then do the press conference. Um, for me, like I usually am a color writer, so the atmosphere of the race is very important. Which is why sometimes on stages like I don't know if there's a Bantu stage or like an Alpe d'Huez stage, we'll go uh, and like see part of the race in the middle on the mountain, and then use our press access to peel off as soon as possible, and then try and get to the to the finish. Um, and so. For me, it takes me about like an hour, maybe two hours to write. Uh, and so I try to get it as done as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this takes some discipline and some trial and error because my first tour, like, it's just in, it just was kind of overwhelming. But now I've kind of gotten a little bit more uh, business about it. And I can, I can turn it out in like an hour, two hours. Great. Well, I d- let's just go back to you, what you had said before about going for the third or fourth guy in the lead out train. I think that's super smart. I mean, you know, the same, I always try to do the same thing when I covered politics was you don't go to the party leaders, you go to the, you know, rank and file members who are wondering like, why are they not talking to me? And I have so much to say. And so very, very smart. But yeah, I think for me, targeting riders is really like who plays a key role in a stage. Right. Like it's say you're on a mountain stage, like you're not going to get to talk to Pogacar or Vingago, but you could probably talk to Sepkus. Uh, or you yeah. could probably talk to one of the other guys at Yumbo Visma. Well, probably not. But like, again, there's also priorities for national media. Um, so like the Belgians get priorities talking to Wow. The Slovenians get priority talking to Pogacar. This is part of why I learned Slovenian. Um, or in the process <laughs> of learning Slovenian. It'll take like a few more years, I think. But so y- you can get that that kind of access. So like even if you're not asking the questions, like if you can translate and a lot of cycling journalists speak multiple right. languages, most of them speak either Spanish, Italian or French. Um, I am stupid and didn't learn any of those much le- easier languages and decided to learn <laughs> God's hardest language instead. But it will pay off eventually. Uh, also, it's great. That's amazing. So not to give away anything, storylines or ideas to other reporters who might be listening but do you have any direct lines you want to pursue besides a car or finger guard is there anything else you're looking at for i'm like a really kind of wait and see reporter 
Um, I don't try and make predictions ever at all because I'm usually wrong. Um, and <laughs> I also I find it kind of pointless a little bit because whatever happens happens. So for me, I kind of like to watch the race and see what emerges. Maybe there's some interesting developments in the breakaway. Maybe there's some Neo pro in the breakaway you've never heard of before, but is like kind of killing it. Maybe there's, you know, someone who is doing a bigger job than you thought that they would do. Maybe someone is like emerging from their, you know, into, into form or into their career or is having a real, like with Gino, for example, like uh, when I covered the Vuelta, um, I covered, I decided to profile Gino because he had won a stage at the Giro and, you know, I had no idea he would do that well at the, at the Vuelta, but I targeted interviewing him and profiling him because he was clearly coming up into some success. And so you look at the storylines, like who's up and coming, who is like a kind of an MVP, who is on the out, like who's retiring, um, yeah. who is having their first tour, who is going to, you know, uh, who it just, and then you just see what happens also, like who on the day is interesting. And then you do that by observing the race. Um, and so for me, like that's, that's the most important part is actually watching what happens. If you can watch right. it, I don't drive, so I can just have it on my phone and other, my, my colleagues drive. We all carpool actually. Com- even competitors. Oh, of course. I wouldn't say it's like so competitive, like at the tour, everyone kind of is riding their own race, so to speak. Like, of course, yes, there's competitiveness for news, right. For getting quotes or whatever. Right. But for those of us who are working on specific projects, profiles, etc. If someone is stealing your interview and it's like, you know, for something that's obviously just for you, you can just tell them kind of like, yeah, hey, man, like, this is just like for a separate thing or whatever. Um, And I mean, everyone kind of steals each other's interviews anyway. And during the COVID era, (laughs) during the COVID era, they used to, uh, the press officers used to just like interview, like hold up like whoever was getting interviewed and they would send it to the whole press court, regardless of whether you were there. And so like this really has become like, you mean like, my interview, you mean our interview. Yes. So, um, but yeah, everyone kind of travels together because you have, there's like, I think quite some solidarity between the press. Um, you should do that. That's a good story. Like the boys and girls on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. That's the title of a famous political book from the seventies, the boys on the bus. Oh yeah. And I think someone, I think someone tried to redo it in the two thousands or 2008, maybe they did the girls on the bus or something like that. But yeah, so, this is how this is how it goes. No, but like publications usually travel together. But if there's only one, like for example, for the last two tours, I was kind of on my own. So like I would just tack on with whoever would take me. Um, but because you're freelance and also because it depends, like, you you know, my deadlines were not daily, right? I For both yeah. times I was writing for magazines. So my deadlines were actually quite far after the race. So like there's a lot of complementary roles in journalism that aren't necessarily um, oppositional, right? To yes, my, yes. my role as a color writer, um, as a, an experiential writer, as a profile or whatever, is quite different from the guy who's got to get the quotes and has to get like a press release out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, but I would say it's, it's mostly not so territorial. And when it is, like, I think people are mostly polite. That's good. That's great. Well, look, I know you got a lot to do and a big NASCAR race coming up. (laughs) 
So, I mean, it's really great. I really appreciate it. I mean, I know you're, you're super busy and uh, we'll definitely be reading your stuff. So thank you. The Writing With podcast is produced and edited by the team at Palm Tree Podco. Anthony Palmer is the executive producer. 